the house of God. Thank you for coming here today. How many believe God is doing a good thing in this city and that the best is yet to come and it's not over with yet? Thank you, sir. Is it any coincidence, Brother Jason, that the corner that the Lord called us to on Monday nights is the corner that the block is hot? Is that corner where it's hot? No coincidence because God brought us there. Amen? That's a spiritual warfare. And that's why the same thing on the west side with Pulaski and Madison. We're going to be, we were there before they came. We'll be there after they leave in Jesus' name. We're here by God's grace to take it back in the name of Jesus. We're going to take it by force, not from people, but from the devil. The devil that clothes themselves in the thoughts of people and the actions of people. I don't need that, sir. Thank you. We are going to take it back in Jesus' name. And the way you got to do that is to go back out to the streets, to put your boots on the ground. There may be a lot of imitators out there, the Jehovah Witnesses and the Mormons and all that, but they don't have the answer. Amen. I was uh, talking with Adam, if any of you guys follow him on uh, social media. Like I said in my prayer, he's been on the streets with the Assemblies of God. And I wrote him this morning. This is what I wrote him because he'll be with us uh, for Lollapalooza, inviting those other churches to join with us as well. Uh, I wrote him this morning. I said, good morning, man of God. Thank you for loving Chicago all of these days. I pray that all you invested into the churches will remain and good fruit will come forth. Have a blessed Sunday. And then he wrote back, brother, thank you so much. God has heard every one of your prayers. The best is yet to come. Amen. So a lot of these churches that were hating us on, in, in times past as we were going through what we went through are now receiving the answers to our prayers according to the evangelist. Do you believe the man of God? I mean, I have no reason to doubt the man of God. Why would I doubt him? If he said the Lord is answering your prayers and he's there working with them, why would he say that? This is not a man that just says things to, to in, encourage me that would come from false um, encouragement. Flattery is the word I was looking for. This man is not a flattery man, I'll tell you that. He's a truth teller. And so I believe what we're praying for here is coming to pass. Now, we don't hold it against people who have made mistakes in the past. You can join us on the streets anytime. You can get behind the gospel at any time. We'll be right there with you in Jesus' name. Amen? And so I just want you to know that, that God's going to do great things in this city, and we're not going to do it alone. I want to see other churches get trucks. I heard one brother, like, like I said, one pastor called me up. He said he wants to get a truck. Okay, go and get one then in Jesus' name. You got a lot of other things. Go and get you a truck then. Amen? And go start preaching the gospel. As we said from the very beginning here in this church, by God's grace, as we do not just send out our young and radical like TJ and say, well, TJ, you just want to preach a lot, and so, you know, you just go out there. No, we don't just send out just anybody on the streets. We send out our best, amen? Our pastors go on the streets. Our elders go on the streets. Our deacons go out there because we believe that's the answer to this nation's problems right now. We believe that people need this message. And so if you're here today as a visitor, we welcome you. We're online. We're doing all of those things. But that's not our first and, and foremost um, priority. My priority is not to be online, have a great logo. And as you can see, our website is done in excellence. Our app is done in excellence. All of these things we do is in excellence. But that's not my first and main priority. My priority is to be where the people are talking to them face-to-face. -face. Because you can't have a Facebook pastor. Come on, can I hear an Amen. You can't have a YouTube pastor. 
You need a pastor that's in your life. And I know I can't pastor everybody. That's why we have a Bible college and we're raising them up. Amen? And we're fixing to graduate some students from the former Bible college that we worked with in just a few weeks by God's grace. And then our first year of Bible college for the new school is about ready to end in a few weeks. Can I hear an amen from what God is doing in the ministry? I thank the Lord for it. I would never trade it for anything else. I'm glad I'm here this morning. Are you glad that you're here? Amen. Open up your Bibles with me to Psalm chapter 37, the desires of your heart. That's what I want to talk about. Do you got some desires of your heart, some good things on the inside that God put there, some seeds that the Lord put there? Now, here's the thing. I want us to know we're in part two. I want you to know this, and I'm going to do my best to get through it, but I can't make any promises. Amen. This, I said amen. I cannot make promises, so if there's got to be a part three, come back, okay? But last week, I got so caught up in this, and I want you to hear this from my heart. This is from the Lord. I really want you to hear this. The Lord put this in my heart to talk to you about the desires in your heart, that he planted them there, that he cares about them, that he wants to prosper you in those desires, that those are not just things that you came up with on your own. The world wants to imitate the things of God and call this manifesting. The Bible calls it faith, speaking though uh, things that are not as though they were. Can I get an amen for some people of faith in here? Come on, uh, onward up. Is that the band, Andre? On. Upward on. What did I say? Onward up? Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. See, it's, it's going up, but it's upward on. Okay. Well, the bottom, is it, did I get it right, though? Upward on? Okay. They released an album this today, right? And I was jamming to it. Amen. Give, give them a hand clap. It's a cool album. It reminds me of the, the early days of DC Talk and Newsboys. I really enjoy it. It's radio friendly. I think it should be on the radio. And I know you guys want it to be really edgy and alternative, but I found it to be more pop, rock, rap, and in a good way. It's, it's, it's really good like that. I'm just being honest. I know you want it to be really edgy, but, uh, but, but here's my thing. But here's my thing about it. Before you ever went into the studio, did you have it in your heart that that was something you wanted to do? to release an album. Yes, you see, artists have to see it first in their heart. They have to believe in themselves when they're in the shower and they're singing and nobody else is, is, is there to listen. They have to believe that they're going to see what God has placed in their heart. And I, I had this message placed in my heart to encourage you about what's in your heart. But as I went into it last week, I began to realize in chapter 37, there is a lot of preconditions about what need to be met for your desire to come out. Because Jesus is not your genie in the sky. He's not just looking at you going, well, I just want to give you whatever you wish for. Just rub my little belly and then I'll come out and then whatever you wish for, you get. That's not what he's about. He does want to bless you, but he doesn't want to bless your mess. He wants your mess to become his message. Amen. And as I began to go through this last week with you, I mean, I've read the chapter. I had already had it in my heart to bring it to you. I had looked it over. But as the anointing came upon me and I started to preach it, I really was encouraged by the nuggies that were coming out of this. And that's why I couldn't finish it all. I really was just going to read it, and then I was going to come back to that verse that you're going to hear today that's early on in the chapter, and I was just going to come back and encourage you with that. But the Lord said, no, you're, you're not running through the rest of this. And so as I was preaching it to you, I was preaching it to myself. And so now that I'm on the same, well, I was on the page of the Lord at that point, but now that I am informed of where he wants to go today, I had a week to prepare. I've got a lot more to share with you. Are you all ready? Yeah. 
Okay, so to go to Psalm 37, verse 1, desires of your heart, and I want you to see this message as a worldview message. If you're not familiar with that, it's how you see the world, almost like a set of goggles, like a binoculars or a telescope. This is how you should see the world. 37 verse 1, do not fret because of those who are evil or be envious of those who do wrong. For like the grass, they will soon wither. Like green plants, they will die away. I wish I had some sinners in the audience because I would say, turn to a sinner and say, bye, Felicia. But I don't want to make anybody feel bad right now like you looking for a sinner in the, in the house. Who's a sinner? I'm going, bye, Felicia. No, no. But that's what I would do. Like if I was preaching on the streets right now, I would say wave at the people passing by. Bye, Felicia, because you're not going to be here very long. Do you get that? The scriptures are telling us right at the beginning because it's going to get to, I mean, you can see it peaking there at verse 4. Take delight in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. It's peaking there. But before you get to verse 4, you got verse 1 saying, don't worry about the wicked. Don't worry about the evil people. They will not be here long. And guess what? If you switch sides on this thing, that's going to be you. That's what happens to a backslider. Go with me to Ezekiel chapter 33. Sometimes people think that what they did as a Christian will last even though they're not a Christian anymore when they face judgment. But I want you to see in Ezekiel chapter 33, that is not true. Scroll down a little bit for us, please, good brother. Scroll down a little bit. Now I want everybody to see this right here, starting in verse 7. Son of man, I have made you a watchman. How many watchmen and women do I have in the house today? This is what we are to this generation, for the people of Israel. So hear the word I speak and give them warning. We've always believed that God uses people, amen? So somebody goes, oh, this is a book written by men. What did you think it was? We never said it was written by angels. We've always believed that God speaks to people, and those people speak to us. Somebody spoke to you and taught you about the law of gravity unless you discovered it yourself. Somebody spoke to you about plumbing unless you invented plumbing. How many know we've been passing on things for a long time? And even the things that we invent are still based on the laws of others. So what we are simply saying as Christians is that the people we listen to as what we call the word of the Lord has not come from their own mind and imagination but has come from God. So he says to this man, Ezekiel, I want you to be a watchman. For the people of Israel. So hear the word I speak and give them warning. Now this warning applies to us as well. When I say to the wicked, you wicked person. How does God speak to the wicked? What does he call them? You wicked person. That's how he talks to them. So don't be on that side. Amen? But he says to the wicked, you wicked person, you will surely die. And you do not speak out to dissuade dissuade them from their ways. That wicked person will die for their sin, but I'm going to hold you accountable for their blood. So I'm supposed to say to the wicked, you wicked person, if you don't repent of your sins, you're going to face God on judgment. Now, if that wicked person gets mad at me, am I supposed to change my message? No, if the wicked person gets mad at me for calling them wicked, I am not supposed to stop preaching my message. I'm not supposed to say, well, you know, I, I can't call you, you know, I don't want to call you wicked anymore because that's going to hurt your feelings. No, I got to say, if you don't like being called wicked, stop acting wicked. And then if they say only God can judge me, and then instead of saying, well, that's just scared the hell out of you, I got a new one for you. You ready? He's the one that told me to tell you that. <laughs> so if they say to you, why are you calling me wicked? Only God can judge me. He's the one that told me to tell you that. He's the one, the judge. Hey, listen, y'all, the judge told me to tell you that. That's what the Bible says. So this is not politically correct, but it's biblically correct. 
When I say to the wicked, you wicked person, you will surely die. And if you do not speak out to dissuade them from their ways, that wicked person will die in their sin, but I will hold you accountable for their blood. This is where we get the saying, the blood will be on your hands, or your blood's not on my hands. I've warned you. This language comes from the scriptures. Now, he doesn't just have a word for them. Look what else he has. Look at verse 9. But if you do warn the wicked person to turn from their ways, and they do not do so, they will die for their sin, though you yourself will be saved. So the Bible talks about on judgment day, we as Christians will have either rewards or a shaming from what we did or did not do. So believe it or not, Christians will be ashamed of some of the things they did on this earth. And and that will have to be dealt with on judgment day. Not everything on judgment day will be good for a Christian. You will have been redeemed, brought to heaven. Heaven is no longer uh, the thing that's in question anymore, but your works will be judged. And some people, the Bible says, their works will be burned up. So let's take this for example. I don't know whether or not Joel Osteen's a genuine Christian. I know that he has the gospel. I know that he emphasizes one part of the scripture, okay? Now imagine, on judgment day, and I'm not perceiving or I'm not pretending that I know his judgment. I'm just giving you an application because we all know who Joel Osteen is. How many know who Joel Osteen is? Okay. So now imagine on judgment day, Joel Osteen has up here, I'm using this table as what God's going to test his works by. Imagine Joel Osteen has up here a pile of all that he did in his life as a pastor and as a preacher. And that pile is represented by wood, hay, stubble, and precious metals. The Bible says that the judgment of God is going to set it on fire. Now, if he did not use this language, which he says he doesn't, this is out of his own words in an interview he had with Larry King. He says he doesn't call people sinners. He says he's only there to encourage. That means a lot of what's going to be on his plate, a lot of what's going to be there that he's going to present before God is going to get burned up, the Bible says. And he will be ashamed that he didn't tell people what he was supposed to tell them. Are you all listening? And blood will be on his hands because if he's got the largest church in America and one of the rules that he made as a preacher is I don't use that language, well, then how many know he's going to have some blood on his hands? There's going to be people that his blood, uh, their blood is going to be on his hand unless he repents and starts telling people in his congregation, you're wicked. Are you all listening? That's serious. So in this church, am I going to have your blood on my hands? (laughs) No, by God's grace, I'm not. Have I let you know you're wicked if you're in sin? Quite a few times, Pastor. Yes, you have. There'll be no trouble on that. Now, what about being nice? Well, I have some nice, I have, you know, I might have some stuff burned up because maybe I was too mean sometimes, but I got to make sure I got some nice rewards up there. Amen, Jason? I got to make sure I have some of that Joe Losteen smile on me, you know. I want some of those rewards of being gentle. So it's not an either or, it's a both and. But let's keep going because it doesn't stop there. Now, look at what he says here to the righteous person. Go down and scroll down a little bit. Look to verse 12. Therefore, son of man, say to your people, if someone who is righteous disobeys, the person's former righteousness will count for what? It will count for what? Nothing. You all get that? You see, if you switch sides at any point in this thing, whatever righteous things you have done on judgment day, brother, would you please highlight it for them, will count for nothing. I want every backslider to have the fear of God in them. You and I who are living right should have the fear of God. Don't backslide and ever think that you're going to be able to have something on judgment day to bring up as leverage. 
Even if I as a pastor were to backslide and then I die in that state and come before God, I cannot say, God, but what about all these years I was a preacher? What about all the homeless people I brought into my house? What about all of these wonderful works that I've done? The Bible says he will say to me, depart from me for I do not know you. They will count for nothing. So you cannot say your previous faith has saved you. Faith is living and active. Do not backslide. Do not backslide, saints. Now, you might say, what happens if I sin? The Bible tells you, and I, if we sin, we should be quick to repent. Come to the Lord and be cleansed of our unrighteousness. What we should not do, you can write it down for labor, uh, later. It's been discussed here. Hebrews 10, 26, continue in willful sin. Because if we continue, Hebrews 10, 26, in willful sin, we will receive God's judgment. So when I talk to people who say, man, I was once saved, I'm always saved. The Lord can never let anybody take me out of his hand. Nothing can separate me from his love. I say, you're partly right. Once you're saved, you'll always be saved. No one can take you out of his hand. You can't be separated from his love as long as you have faith to remain. Because at any point, if you deny him or betray him or come to unbelief, you will be cut off. Can I hear an amen? I want to show you that one more time. Go to Romans chapter 11. These are not my words. These are the words of the scriptures. So do not fret about evil people because they're going to be evaporated from the earth. And my brothers and sisters, don't you become evil because if you do, you'll be evaporated from the earth. We need this preaching. Can I hear an amen again if we need this preaching? We need it because we cannot, the Bible says, take heed when you think you stand lest you fall. Do not take my camouflage, hoodie, jeans, sketch your wear and stuff like I take this like a joke. I come casual because that's my, my, my character. My nature is casual. But when it comes to this, I take this more serious than the priest handing out communion today. Amen. I take this more serious than the one in the Orthodox church. I take this more serious than the bishop and all of them put together. Just because I'm casual and you walked into a storefront doesn't mean that this is a joke. What you're hearing today is the word of God. The folks that have a lot of that stuff, they don't give you the word of God, and people get a sense of religion, and they feel comfortable in that religion. That is a deception. You better have this right if you want your soul right. Amen? That's why sometimes people, they, they put down what we do in this church because it doesn't have the status of another church. But I want to ask you a question. Has truth, according to God's word, ever been disseminated by the rich, the wealthy, and the famous? Has that ever been God's way of doing it? No, when he picked disciples, he picked fishermen. He picked tax collectors. He, he didn't go to the rich and the famous and all that. God can use them. And don't get me wrong, if I had a choice, I'd rather be rich and famous than a poor nobody that can't be known to help, you know. I, if I'm going to be rich and famous, I'm going to be rich and famous for the Lord, amen? Like, like, don't give it to Bill Gates. Give it to me, Jesus. But, if, but, I, but what we'll read here in a little bit, I would rather have nothing and nobody know me and go to heaven than have all that and go to hell. So I just always like to balance that out. I'm not against a big church. I'm not against my, my name being out there all the time. I'm not against that. But it's got to be for Jesus. Amen. It's got to be his way. So I say this to you. These scriptures have always been in your, in your word. But why aren't people bringing those out to you? Why didn't someone tell you that if you go from being Christian to being wicked, that you're going to lose all your reward? Why didn't anybody tell us that? We go into church all the time, and we think it's going to be okay because God still loves me. No, his love hasn't changed, but he will not compromise his judgment with his love. He judges out of love, and that love is for his people, but you stop being his people, so that love does not count now. What counts is that judgment. If you don't want the judgment, stick with the love. Amen? I said amen. 
Now look at Romans chapter 11. Not my words. The words of the scriptures start in verse 17. If some of the branches have been broken off, this is talking about the people of Israel were branches, they have been broken off, and you, a wild olive shoot, have been grafted in among the others and now share in the nourishing sap of the olive, olive root, do not consider yourself to be superior to the branches. What's happening here? Branches are Israel. The olive shoot is the Gentiles. We're now being grafted in. That's what's happening. But don't think to yourself you're more superior than them. In other words, American Christians, don't think you're superior to the people of Israel that had to die in a desert before God would take their children into the promised land. Oh, it got quiet when I said that. Listen to me. I'll get to 100,000 with you or with your children. <laughs> are you listening? God's going to do the thing because if you don't want it, I'll be here till your kids get it. Seriously, I've watched parents backslide and the kids keep coming. This is the same God of the Bible. He said, I'm taking people to the promised land, but I ain't taking y'all rebellious, stiff-necked folks. In. I'm not taking you anywhere except to the grave. He said to them, you're going to die in the desert. And you know what that was? That was mercy because God said, I'll wipe them all out right now, Moses, and you start over. And God used Moses' heart to be compassionate, even though the Lord would have been willing to do it. But the Lord wanted to see, was Moses going to intercede for those people? And Moses said, don't do it, Lord, don't do it. And then God said, okay, I'll just take their children then. I'm going to have them die in the desert. So everybody had to say goodbye to mom or dad. That's how you knew you were getting closer to coming to the promised land. Mom about ready to pass away. Imagine that. You're sad in one sense and happy to get to the promised land in the other sense. Talk about dancing on somebody's grave. Not out of disrespect, but what you're going to do when they die. Now you know you can go to the promised land. Well, mama, you messed up. I'm going with or without you. They're getting quiet in this place. Everybody think that Jesus, everybody thinks that Jesus doesn't do this until Jesus does it, and then they get shocked and surprised. They should have already known that Jesus was capable of it. Don't you remember Sodom and Gomorrah? And how about even before Sodom and Gomorrah should have known he wasn't playing? You should have looked back to the flood. Was he playing at the flood? He only saved eight people, drowned the world. God has always been true to his word. When he came to them in Sodom and Gomorrah through those angels and interceding, you know, uh, having that conversation with Abraham, he said, I'll save it if it's got ten. Didn't even have ten there. Took it as a joke. The wife turns around and becomes a pillar of salt. The Bible says we should see God's judgment as a reality. We should not assume because we don't see it today that everything is just according to how man wants it. Like in other words, because I don't see the bowls of wrath and Jesus' second coming, that he's slack in keeping his promise. He will keep his promise, amen? So I say that because my God's a good God. I'm not afraid of that. Just like I, how I've given the example before, when everybody's team is losing, they're, they're crying. But if you're there and your team is winning, what are you doing? You're shouting. So don't be with the losers. Be with the winners. Get yourself a W and hang out with Jesus. He's the winner. Amen? I'm not, I'm not sad that the world gets judged. I'm just sad now that my friends don't get to be on the right side of that judgment. That's why we mourn and weep for them. I'm not happy. The Bible says he doesn't even take pleasure in the death of the wicked because he knows how that's going to de devastate them. But there comes a point where his judgment is righteous. Now listen, he says, if you are the branches, or rather if some of the branches have been broken off and you, a wild olive shoot, have been grafted in among the others, now you share in the nourishing sap of the olive root. Do not consider yourself to be superior to those other branches. If you do, consider this. Now please highlight what, they want us to, what Paul wants us to consider. You do not support the root, but the root supports who? You. Now, get the next point. This is what he wants you to consider. Keep going. 
You then will say, branches were broken off that I could be grafted in. Israel was cut off that Gentiles could come in. He says, granted, but they were broken off because of unbelief, and you stand by faith. Now highlight, please, do not be arrogant. Do not be arrogant, but what? Tremble. For if God did not spare the natural branches, he will not spare you either. Consider, consider therefore, this is what Paul is saying, consider, think about it, therefore, the kindness and the sternness of God. Sternness to those who fell, but kindness to you, and highlight this please, provided that you continue in his kindness. Otherwise, you will be cut off. That's the truth of God. That should put the fear of God in every Christian. The Bible says if the righteous are scarcely saved, what about the wicked? He says judgment starts in the house of God. What is happening right now is God's judgment is coming across this land. Go back to the psalm, please. I am seeing pastors fall at a rate that I have never seen before. I have never seen this before. I am seeing entire movements being crushed right now. I'm talking about movements that you thought were indestructible. When I was growing up, Hillsongs was the bee's knees. Darling, check. Shout to the Lord of the earth, let us sing. You remember those songs? That, that was back in the day. You never would have thought to yourself that the whole thing would be embroiled in scandal and that churches would be dropping out, running as fast as they can from Hillsong. But it's happening in our day. Not all of them are bad. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying I've watched entire movements begin to crumble. I've been around church planning because I started by God's grace when I was 22 years old. I've been around church planning to watch at least three or four pastors start at the same time I did. By God's grace, started our first church in 1999 in New Orleans to start their church, grow it to over 10,000. Multiple campuses, and I've seen this many different times, not just a few, many different times, and then to have it crash and burn and no longer even be a church anymore in the same time that I've been preaching. The Bible says don't fret or be envious of those who are evil, those who do wrong. But in our hearts, we still get a little bit envious or at least tempted to. When I watch the next one come, the next one rise up, the next one, I always watch how fast they grow. And I'm not saying fast growth is bad. I'd love to have 3,000 come here next week like they did in Pentecost, but I'm not going to compromise. But I see these young pastors, and they begin to compromise, and then the church begins to grow, and they become the next hottest thing, and then it's only just a little bit of a, of a, little bit of a journey, and then you see it all blow up. I remember being in Bible college, Pastor Wade Southern, one of my spiritual fathers. He's the one that got me to preach to the walls. Because when y'all don't say amen, I go, amen, walls? That was from uh, Wade Sutherland. You know, busted and disgusted, tore up from the floor up. That's my brother right there. He's the one that gave me that, okay? He also had some other ones, but I won't get into right now. But this man who used to preach so good, he taught me the word of God. You know what he said to me? He said, you ever watch those cartoons? where uh, the bad guy or one of those people, they got the powder keg and they're trying to set it up to get the other one. Maybe it's like the, the road runner. You know those shows with the, road, the cartoons with the road runner? And who's trying to catch the road runner? 
wild coyote, right? So the wild coyote will take that, that big old barrel of TNT, dynamite, whatever, and, and gunpowder, and he'll walk it over to where he thinks the, the road runner's going to be, and then he's going to light it on fire, right? But what happened? He left that trail right where he was standing. So he thought it was going to blow that person up, but it actually blew him up. He said, that's what's happening with many ministers, now he has gone home to be with the Lord, and I cannot tell you how true that is to this day. They're walking with the powder, the, the, the powder keg. That powder keg is in their arms, and they're saying, look at me. Look how awesome I am. Look at all the things that's going on. And, you know, they, they are blowing in, blowing up, and blowing out. And the Bible says it's the same thing with world leaders. Every time we've seen world leaders rise and say, well, this time it's going to be different. This revolution is going to be different. We eventually see them crushed and brought down. There's been a, a, a dictator in Russia as long as I've been alive. The only one that was halfway decent, I think, was Gorbachev, you know, brought down the walls. But they've had Stalin. They've had all of these wicked leaders. No different in our day. And one goes down, the other one rises. And yet we will be tempted even David was tempted at times to look at how they prosper, how they flourish, and then we'll think to ourselves, maybe I'm doing something wrong. You know, I remember teaching church planning, and as a part of being a professor is you also have to go back to school. So I just can't show up and talk about whatever I want to talk about. I got to get textbooks. So I was teaching church planning, and I began to look at all the textbooks on church planning. And I started getting all these ideas from these, these young guys that were starting their churches. And I said, you know what? There's some of this stuff that's good, man. I'll do it. So as we were launching from this place to Irving Park, I said, I'm going to do a bunch of these things that I see these guys do. I'm going to get a big banner, grand opening, you know, all these things, which once again might do that in the future, right, because you want to let people know you're opening. But I took out uh, ads in the newspaper and, and uh, put on ads on the radio, B96. Metro Praise used to be on B96. Well, that'd be something. We, we were in the Spanish newspaper. What's the main Spanish one? La Raza, yes, we were in La Raza, I believe. We were in one of them, and, and, and we were going to blow up. You remember that, Cynthia? And we had that grand opening, man, and that place was packed. That place was full, but it only took a few weeks to empty it out <laughs> because what had happened, I started preaching. I didn't just keep the Joe Osteen tap, show, you know, tap, tap dancing going. I had to get to the Word of God, and I remember meeting with people on their way out. And that's one of the gifts you have with me. I promise this to you as long as I have a sound mind, okay? When I don't have a sound mind, just be nice to me and roll me off somewhere, okay? Roll me here and I'll listen to the preacher. But as long as I have a sound mind, I give you this as a promise. I'll have self-awareness because nothing's worse than a public speaker or a preacher who doesn't have self-awareness. I have quite a bit of self-awareness. That's my gift that I'll give you as a pastor, amen? Can I hear an amen for self-awareness? Y'all believe that's a good thing? Okay. It's the tenth fruit of the Spirit, self-awareness. Know yourself. Know how other people perceive you. So I understood what was going on. I caught it. I mean, it was pretty obvious. So what I did in a panic almost is I started calling up all these people that, that saw us, you know, uh, uh, in the magazine or heard us on the radio. And I said, okay, man, I got to go out with these people. I got to sit down with them. That's why I don't do this like I used to because I've realized that nothing will keep you here except the presence of God. I'll still hang out with people in the church. We'll still have visitors over. We try to do whatever we can. But, but this is where I learned that lesson that if you don't want to stay before the word of God, it doesn't matter how I bring you to the house or how cool I am, and Pastor's a cool guy. Look at hanging out with him, you know. No, that don't matter. I've had all those people leave because you don't stay because the pastor's cool after he's called you wicked. 
There's nothing I can do to make up for that. You, you might say, well, my pastor brought me over. We had some fun. But, man, next Sunday he called me wicked. Okay? So I was taking out some of these folks. And I just remember sitting down with them. I remember sitting down with one gentleman. He was a teacher. And we were sitting down having a, a lunch together. And he was saying, <laughs> he was saying, man, your preaching is intense. He, I, I got to tell you his nationality. He was a white guy like me. And he lived in that neighborhood, Old Irving Park. And he just was not ready for <laughs> for the fire hose of the word of God. And basically what he was telling me was, if you'll dial it back, I think you can reach more professionals like me instead of having your typical, I, I don't know if he was being soft racist here, but instead of your typical minority, maybe not as educated as me, I think that's what he was hinting towards, you know? Aren't you glad he ain't in the church anymore, amen? Come on. But that's how he came at me. It's like basically like, like Joe, if, if you want more people like me, this is how, like, I'm going to help you. I'm going to help you, Joe. This is how you're going to get more people like me. And I was like, to hell with that. I'm not doing that. I'm like, I'm going to tell you right now where you're going if you die. And then... He, he didn't like the gifts of the Spirit. And I said, we're going we're, we're to become worse than this. We're going we're to speak in tongues until we can't speak in tongues anymore. You haven't seen nothing yet. You came to two services. You haven't seen the sister with the tambourine catch the Holy Ghost yet. You know what I'm saying? You haven't seen all that we're going to do. You already just bothered by the first thing. You heard your neighbor speak in tongues. You haven't seen the worship leader speak in tongues, buck and jerk across the whole stage yet. That's coming next week. But you see, people will, people will try to help you make Christianity more palatable, and they're doing that out of their own compromise. In other words, they've bowed their knee to Baal, and they don't like that you're convicting them. Now they want you to bow your knee to Baal. And we said, no, we're not, gonna, we're not changing. And one after another, they began to leave. Now, thankfully, some great people came from there. Jerry came from there. Tina came. And a lot of others of you guys came from during that season. But you know how you came. You came correct in Jesus' name. Amen. You knew what time it was when you walked into that church. As cool as we were, we still preached the word, and we haven't changed. And we're going to keep doing that. Why? Because think about it. What would I gain? Everybody get this. Let's get the picture. I'm making it practical towards me, but I'm going to get to your desires in just a moment. But what would I have gained if the story went a different way? And from that point, we hit 1,000, right? And then we went to 2,000. And now we a mega mess, I mean a mega church just like everybody else, right? We got the soft racists over here. We got the one living in homosexuality over here. We got the other one in adultery over here. We got the other one here that believes all religions lead to heaven. Don't even get me talking about the one that I met that was doing yoga that found out that her leader believed he was Jesus Christ. It's nothing wrong with just doing yoga, but I said, where do you do yoga? And then she named off her religion, Sant Mat. I had to learn that whole entire term and what it meant and where it was at that this man believed he was Jesus Christ. But she was going to all the churches, church hopping. Nobody had a problem with her because nobody even cared to ask her. Okay? So we could have a church full of that. And then what? 5% of you radical? 10% of you? That's what most churches have. That 10, 20% that does, does all the radical stuff, when, when it's time to go do something, they're the ones always volunteering so that we can keep that big show going. Got to keep it going, you know. Got to make sure everybody's happy. 
Or we could have a church where it's 80, 90% disciples to, to where if you're a 10%, 20%, you're not in discipleship. You're, you're the odd one out. You got to get right or you're going to get left in Jesus' name. Amen? I think every week we should put up the list of those who dropped out of discipleship so y'all can pray with them like we have to pray for them. Because every week people are always dropping out of discipleship. And I announced it to you every single week. What did you not understand? <laughs> Come on, somebody. I tell them right from the beginning, this is what we're going to do. Then a little bit later, they get offended by what we do. Stupid is as stupid does. We don't feel sorry for you. That was always the door. This was the pulpit. Know which one you want. This is a pew. Sit in it, listen to it, or head out in Jesus' name. Amen? Why? Because at least you know what you're getting when you come here. We will not envy the wicked. We will not envy the churches that want to be like the wicked. And this is I love what one brother said. We had the church leadership movement through John Maxwell invade the church. Now we have no more church leaders. They backslid. Everybody at one time when I was growing up, oh, go John Maxwell, go see this. And I think he still serves the Lord. But so many of the people he, le he led and were his top leaders that went to these conferences and taught them on his behalf are now backslidden. We said we wanted church leaders, so we had church leadership conferences. Now they're all backslidden. The other thing that they said is we want church growth. That was a popular term, church growth. Grow the church. Grow the church. And some of you, if I would call on you, you would tell me you were a part of churches that did that. Church growth, church growth. Yeah, we want to grow the church, but not like a cancer. Hello, I want to grow it healthy. How many know you can grow and become 400 pounds? <laughs> well, we big around here. Yeah, you big all right. You big in something else. I'm not going to use the word anymore. Everybody thinks I'm mean for saying fat, so I'm not going to say it anymore. You big. You, we big. We a big church. That's how I hear it in my mind. Well, Bishop got 20,000 people. Bishop, a pastor. He's a big, just a big church. Like Boss Hog. I always think of this Boss Hog, just this pork chop hanging out the mouth. We a big church. Oh, Bishop. Bishop on TV. Bishop on that. Bishop got three girlfriends. Bishop don't know how to preach the word, right? But we made big better. Big is not better if it's not done right in Jesus' name. But yet, what does the Bible say? As the adulterous man goes to the trap, the fool goes back to his folly. Continually, humanity does not learn. We fall right back for the same lies. It is hard. I want everybody to get this. It is hard to stay righteous when righteousness costs you monetary and outward success. I was never tested on what I believed as a pastor until those folks started telling me what they thought. Because up until then, nobody knew me. It was a smaller church. It is what it is. I don't know any better, so I don't have to think about it. But when I start having those conversations with those people, I remember one man, he was cutting hair. He got so offended, he left the church, tried to take people with him. You know what he got offended about? I told the whole church one day, this is what we did. I said, everybody... I said, everybody stand up. Everybody that's planning on going to the Bodequa Fest, sit down. You already made your plans. You're coming out preaching with us at the PR Fest. I said, if you've done that, sit down. So they sat down. Everybody that had not made plans was still standing up. Imagine what I had to say for the next five minutes. Your pastor's crazy. Do you know that? I told him, I said, why are you here then? I said, you can't be here if you don't want to win souls. If, if you're not in the right heart, go and find another church. You know why I had said that? Because I had already been talking to Puerto Rican pastors in the neighborhood that wouldn't even let their youth go out with us. They were telling us, man, we weren't even going to go out there with you. But I'll send my kids to your youth group because my church don't have one. 
You see, the church has got it backwards. Where did Jesus give you four options to do this thing? Where did Jesus say it's your way, my way, and Burger King's way? Why are we turned off by this? This is the gospel. Jesus said it. I believe it. That settles it. We all win souls here. This is a soul-winning church. We all preach the gospel here. You, you don't want to do that. This is not your church. I don't envy a church. Listen, I don't envy a pastor who has a church of a bunch of breastfeeding adults that you got to part the beard to get the teat in. Y'all hear that? Oh, I have a growing church. Yeah, but you breastfeeding all of them. Oh, part the beard, brother, and come get your nipple. That's not how we're doing it here. We're not a breastfeeding church. If you a young baby, you, you know that young baby Christians don't argue with this. Young baby Christians, you ask them to go out evangelizing. All right, let's go. We've taken off, and many people, you have seen this. We have taken people off the streets to come to our service and before the service to go evangelizing, and they don't even complain. We were out at Taft High School. We were preaching to the young people. They had come from a lot of the LGBTQ background. We made friends with them. Eventually, a group of them wanted to start coming with us. They came to the Friday youth service, and before Friday service started, they went out evangelizing. If I, if I didn't want to, you know, I don't want to embarrass her, but if I was that kind of person, I would have taken a picture. I wish I would have and just put it up online. We just met her at the Taft. Now she's out handing out flyers for the youth event. That's how it works. That's the gospel. Let me just say this before I move on because we have some of our friends that will leave here and to go to these other backslidden. I'm not saying we're the only ones. Please. I wish I could name every church that I don't think is backslidden so you don't think I'm saying we're the only ones. But I just got to put this out there so you understand what this looks like in the church world. We have had people get saved here, get offended, and then go to a church that never cared about them to win them to the Lord. In other words, we won you to the Lord by God's grace in front of the bus stop where your pimping church didn't give a, 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 a mouse's behind about your soul, and now you go to their church because you got offended here, but they would have let you boot scoot your boogie, boogie, uh, booty on the way to hell. You would have been boot scoot boogieing your booty all the way to hell if that would have been left to them. In other words, we went into your neighborhood, dodged the bullets, went into your neighborhood, got mocked and ridiculed, won you to the Lord. Now after a few years of you being in the church, you ashamed of a storefront church, want to go to the big church, and the big church didn't care about you. That's what it's like to be a pastor. Is anybody else getting free? I'm free. I'm not bitter. I'm better. I'm not bitter. I'm better. <laughs> I'm all right. I'm telling you, I'm not mad at him. I forgive him. I forgive him all. I'm being honest. But I want us all to understand, don't fret when you see the wicked doing what the wicked do. Don't fret when you see backsliders getting a new house, a new car, and they don't tithe. Stop fretting over that. They will pass away. Joe Osteen's reward of all that smiling preacher nonsense, not telling the wicked when they're wicked, that will pass away. God is going to honor those who preached his word, even if it costs them something. God will honor you if you stand up for truth. Verse 3. I'm obviously not getting through all this today. Started it over again on verse. I was hoping at least to get to 17, 18, 19. There's 40 verses in this psalm. But just starting it over again with everything I had in my heart this week. I can't even get to verse 3. Are you all ready for verse 3? Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. 
This is where we parked a lot last week. So I won't get into it, but this is why we put in God we trust on the dollar bill. I'm not saying everything about America is Christian. I'm telling you as much as the Bible says about the wicked. We've had wicked people in America. Slave traders, wicked. Conquistadors, wicked. Uh, sex traffickers, wicked. Whatever happened in America is wicked. They're all in hell. I mean, let's say repented. There's no uh, mincing words here. But there has always been a righteous remnant in this country. Can I hear an amen? They all haven't been wicked. They all haven't been with Underground Railroad. Christians or Muslims running the thing. Christians. Underground Railroad ran by Christians. Women's rights. Women's suffrage. Muslims or Christians running it. Christians. All of our orphanages. All of our YMCAs. Is it the Young Men's Muslim Association or are they Christian? Christian. Goodwill. Who was it started by? Uh, Buddhists or Christians? Christian. Okay, so there's a heritage here. Every culture, every people group who has joined here, Many of them have had been, uh, been blessed by Christians, if not all of them, in some way. Now, we put in this, in, this uh, in, in our constitution, not our constitution, but we voted on the 50s to put, in God we trust in our dollar. Now we don't trust in God, we trust in the dollar. How's that working out? You want to go back to a blessed nation? Go back to trusting in God, not in the dollar. The reason why they're shooting themselves up and killing each other right there in front of our, our McDonald's where we preach is because they trust more in money than they trust in God. How many times have you and I spoke to those young men on that corner, tell them to trust in God, but they say, God don't pay my bills, God doesn't give me money, I got to work out here. That's what they tell me every time. I'm busy, I'm busy. You see them sex trafficking, and you see them selling drugs out there, hustling right there. But you know what? If they gave God the chance that God asked, the mustard seed of faith, they would have more than any drug dealer out there in Jesus' name. And they would have none of the sorrow or the trouble that comes with it. God would bless them. They would have businesses. They would be able to work in the community and be proud of what they do. And they would be able to save and be a blessing to their children's children. Crime does not pay, as the old saying goes. God's ways are the best ways. So if we want our land to be blessed, we need to trust in the Lord. Amen? Now here's this verse. Please highlight this. Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. So each one of us have these desires in our heart. And God has put them there. And if we do not delight in the Lord, those desires will actually work against us. Because delighting in the Lord is what filters those desires from becoming idols and destroying your life. So somebody may say, I have a desire to be married. But if they're not delighting in the Lord, they'll marry the wrong person. And that marriage will be a trouble to their life. Those of you here who say, I want to do this thing in life, this job, this career. I want to have these gifts and talents to manifest in my life. Those are very true gifts. God put them in your heart. But if you do not delight in the Lord, those very things will eat at your soul like a cancer. That's why when you look at those who have wealth or those who have success, without the Lord, it's more money, more problems. Instead of having the blessing of the Lord who adds no trouble to it. The country that we live in right now has forgotten how to take delight in the Lord and to let him give us the desires of the heart. So think of it like this. Back to the example I was giving you as a pastor because we're in church today. I desire this, right? I desire a church that has 100,000 disciples. That's when my wife and I started, 50 churches, 500 around the world. That's what I desire. But I'm not going to go after that desire in a way that compromises my delight in the Lord. 
So look at your life. Look at what you desire, and then look at what you're doing to bring about those desires. As I mentioned in first service, we are seeing more people start businesses this year than we ever have before. So we pray blessings on those businesses. In your businesses, don't compromise and watch God give you the desires of your heart. This year is a year of inflation. It's a year of economic trouble, but it could be the year that some of you invest in houses, land, stocks, and investments and reap more in the years to come than you ever have before. But you have to delight in the Lord and have him give you that wisdom because things are on sale right now in different industries, and if you know where those sales are at, you can be ready for the next bubble of what people want. The ones who got the land now, you know when they got it? They got it from 08 and years afterward. When everybody was having the financial crisis, the rich people were going around saying, I'll buy that house out of foreclosure, I'll buy that one, I'll buy that one, and they held it till the bubble came right now, and now they're unloading it, making all their money. The same thing with the stocks. When it crashed during COVID, all the rich took out their cash, and someone buy this, buy this, buy that, and then they waited for it to peak when everybody said, I want Tesla now, I want this now, and now they began to sell it and drop it down again. It's coming to be on sale. I'm not giving you financial advice. I'm just telling you to delight in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. Somebody is going to find what the world has already found. Some Christian is going to get the inventive idea that the world has already had or had their chance at. In other words, Apple made this phone. Who's on the next one? And I always give you guys those examples. Someone made the social media of Facebook. Who's going to make the next one? Why is the world so good at being worldly but Christians are terrible at being Christ-like? It's time for us to take back what the world stole from us. We have a Holy Ghost advantage in Jesus' name. We have the ability not only to come up with creative ideas in our own minds, as we are humans, as they're humans, but we have the advantage of having the Holy Spirit guide us so we can treat our employees better, so that we can have and manage our families. Amen? Because I would rather have a godly family than be a billionaire and have my fourth wife. You see, you can have both if you're a Christian. You have an advantage, amen? I just pray we get this. I was talking to one pastor, and he says, man, you've been talking a lot about Christians coming up and different things. And And I say, you know what? After COVID, everybody had to make choices on how they're going to live differently. Some of you, you got enough toilet paper to last us into the apocalypse, okay? Like you made a choice. Like after this, ain't nobody take away my toilet paper. I am not going through that again. No, sir. No, sir. So you got, you have changed. You have stocked up on toilet paper. This is like back in the day after the Great Depression. If you ever knew some old people, say, I'm kind of old, so I know some old people that came through that. You would go in their yard. You would find everything. They would be like, like hoarders, right? And why would they keep all that stuff? Because you never know when you're going to need it. <laughs> you never know when you're going to need this. That wrapper, don't throw it away. You never know when you're going to need it. You never know. You, because that's how they live. They live through even when garbage, you had to use it. Amen? And so now some people are going to come around, like our grandchildren are going to be like, Grandpa, why do you have 100 rolls of toilet paper in the garage? You know, oh, you don't know what we went through. Your eye going to start twitching. You don't know what we went through, you know. But how many know, this is just to encourage you, how many know we have enough gas for America for the next 500 years? So we need wisdom in our government because the government's doing us wrong right now. How many know we got enough food to feed us for 500 years? We have no food shortages. We only have wisdom problems. Go after any restaurant right here. Go at, when they close, go to that dumpster and see how much they throw away. We don't have food problems. We have a wisdom problem. People don't know what they're doing. And listen, we don't have milk problem. We got plenty of women here ready to have some milk come out. Amen? 
So don't get worried, sisters, with the Similac. We got sisters here in Jesus' name. Y'all get quiet when I talk like that? I know, I know. We got to get my sister from Africa. Anybody ever heard of a wet nurse? You got to have some milk. And I teach this to the men so everybody don't be embarrassed for me because I'm embarrassed a little bit right now. But I got to say this because women's body parts weren't just made to be looked at. And I understand Similac and this may be important for those children that have special needs, but we'll figure it out in Jesus' name. In other words, we have all that we need right here. But why is our nation suffering? Because we're not delighting in the Lord. Look at verse 5. Commit your way to the Lord, trust in him, and he will do this. He will make your righteous reward shine like the dawn, your vindication like the noonday sun. Who's going to do that today? I pray that you do that in your life, in your job. Let's keep going. The Bible says, be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret when people succeed in their ways, when they carry out their wicked schemes. You and I need to be patient and wait. This does not mean we don't expose what's going on, but we have to be patient. I'm being patient for a godly mayor to raise up. I'm not going to let this mayor get me to leave Chicago. I, I got to stay, and I got to be patient. Anybody else with me? I mean, unless you got your train ticket to Florida or Texas, you're moving out there. We don't blame you, but somebody's got to stay here. Amen? I got to wait for the next one. I got to wait for a mayor that actually cares about us. I got to wait for a governor. I pray that it's somebody who knows the Lord. Verse 8, refrain from anger. And turn from wrath. Do not fret. It leads only to evil. For those who are evil will be destroyed, but those who hope in the Lord will inherit the land. I believe that God wants us to stop being so angry at everything and actually be a part of the solution. There is a holy anger. I believe we need to be passionate about what we believe. But just being angry, oh, man, you see what they're doing now with these gas prices? Man, I can't. Thank you, Brandon, you know, all this. And we're just mad at everybody. We're mad at the president. We're mad at the governor. Oh, you know, Beetlejuice, look at how she did us now. And we're just angry. And that's, you know, and, and there's a lot to be angry about. But you have to understand the anger will not bring about the righteousness of God. There is a time to be angry. I, I want us always to know the both, the both and. Anger and righteousness can go hand in hand. But there is a point where your anger is just a cancer on the inside. You're no more positive. You're no more uh, good to be along, uh, good to be with. Because every time we talk about prospering, oh, well, then they're just going to take it. They're going to shut everything down. Well, don't let them shut it down in Jesus' name. Amen? Uh, well, you know, it's always going to be like this now. It's never going to get any better. Well, then you're going to be the one sitting around with $20 under your mattress. Come on, somebody. You can't get mad then if a person becomes a millionaire over their investments in the next six years because you want to keep your 20 under your mattress. At some point, you have to take a step of faith, and you can't be just angry at everybody. For example, and I told, told this last week, and it's a good one to understand, I, ju I just cannot be mad at Ellen DeGenerate. I mean DeGeneres. And I, I'll keep saying it until she gets holy, Ellen the righteous, amen? But I can't be mad at Ellen the, the, the DeGenerate. You know why? Because she went into the culture and said, I'm going to change it. I'm going to kiss a girl on, on primetime TV. I'm going to do it in front of everybody, in front of your family, in front of your family. I'm going to go kiss a girl. That's what she did. Can I just be angry about that? No, I better get smart. I better get smart and now make a sitcom where they read John 3.16 and cast out demons on primetime. Amen? And now with everything on YouTube, what's stopping us from having our own TV show? Come on, somebody. You see, you just can't get mad at them. Oh, they did this wrong. They did this wrong. Look at what she did. Look at how wicked Miley Cyrus. Look at how wicked they all are. Okay, well, then do something righteous then. Write a righteous song. 
Put out righteous YouTube videos. Put out a righteous sci-fi movie. Put out a righteous video game. I mean, where are we right now? We are at the place where we can change the world. We are kingdom movers in Jesus' name. There is nothing right now that's stopping us from doing that. Somebody says, man, Taco Bell, I hate Taco Bell. Well, then start the best taqueria around. Weren't you making tortillas at one point? You still making them? Let's get her, let's get her tortillas in Jesus' name. Amen? Put some meat in them, set up that taqueria, and put Taco Bell out of business. We, we don't have to sit back and just be angry at everybody. Well, they don't like us. They try to put this inside of me. They're going to do this to my kids. They're going to teach this to our kids. Let's start our own high school then. Come on, you want to be the principal of the high school, Jason? Let's start it. Let's donate to it. My dad was a part of a church that started a school that I ended up going to, a private Christian school. You know how it started? My dad tells me the story. He says it's one of the best memories he has, and I hope that this encourages somebody. My dad said that the pastor called together the businessmen. So I don't know how that went out. Maybe it was just an announcement. Any businessmen want to help us? We're going to have a board meeting, talk about starting a school. They came to that board meeting. My dad said he was a young businessman at that time. And the pastor said, to start this school for you and your kids, we're going to need X amount of dollars. I don't know how much it was. Let's say it was a quarter of a million, 250000 And you know what my dad said in that meeting? Those businessmen raised that money, and that school started that next year. And I was one of the first students. And you know what my dad realized at that moment? Praise God. You know what my dad realized? I need to make more to give more. Because he sat around that table and he saw some men and women give out some checks that he had never imagined that he could have given out. But thank God there was somebody that could put some zeros behind those checks and say, Pastor, we got it. That's how the private school that I went to started. It started because that church said, businessmen and women, let's mount up and start something right now. Put, it, put your money where your mouth is. Let's hire our folks. Let's get our people. Let's do this. That's how the church has always been. That's not just Joe making stuff up as we go. If, and I've said this to you so many times, I know. But this is one of those messages that ties it all together. Have you heard of Princeton, Harvard, and Yale? Have you heard of our schools before? Have you heard what we did as Christians in this nation? Have you heard about our scientific revolution that we brought to the Western world? Have you heard about our inventions? You know, I was studying that the other day about uh, the man, the African-American inventor and all that he had started and all the glory that he gave to God. Remember when I put up that post? Find that post, Rudy, when I put up the post of that black inventor. I want to read that post as we get ready to clear out here today. How many want to go change the world in Jesus' name? Commit your ways to God. I want to read this again because I have a bad memory when it comes to short-term memory. Anybody else got short-term memory? A bad short-term memory? You know why? I got one child, two child, one in my memory, this one in my memory. This one, this, this. <laughs> that row right there occupies my mind 24-7. Anybody can relate? And then sometimes I go through every one of their names. Hannah, Bethany, no, 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 Titus, no, Lucas. Anybody else like that? Or am I alone? Okay, I'm alone. That's all right. A couple of you. I want to put up this African-American inventor and what I wrote because I sense the anointing on this. Refrain from anger. This African-American man could have just been like, you know what? They don't like me in this country. I'm black. I'm, I'm oppressed. I have nothing that they want from me. They put me down. I, I'm, I'm looked at by everybody, not even a human. I mean, imagine that. You've studied black history, many of you here. You understand this. Imagine this being your everyday life. That man could have just stopped. He could have said, man, these people have nothing to offer me. I'm done. Why should I do anything for them? But you know what he did? He said, I'm going to beat you at your own game. 
You're doing cotton this way. I'm going to make cotton gins that, that pick it this way. You have things that you do like this. I think you invented the refrigerator or something. I'm going to do it like this. The man put so many patents, that I think it was over 1,000 patents in his lifetime, that he became one of the greatest inventors. But he did it all from the place of nobody believed in him. Nobody thought he had anything to offer. And he had every excuse and right you could say, to be mad and angry. But how many know he got out of his bitterness and became better and changed the world? Did you find that? Thank you. I'll talk a little bit more until you get it. Today, young people are discouraged from living for Jesus. You know why? Because they're told they're not going to get jobs. Well, you can't work for Google. And be, you know, if you're a Christian like your mama girl, you can't work for Google because they're going to say, you, know, you don't belong here. The diversity team is going to spot you, and they're going to get you out. You know what? Let's start our own Google. Why do we have to be so dependent upon the world that we can't look at what God has for us? Thank you, sir. I'm going to read this out. This was when I had the anointing for this subject. Everybody ready for this? This is that Cajun word. Not French, but it's Cajun. Lanyap. Somebody say lanyap. Something extra. Thank you, sir. From Wikipedia. I got this from Wiki, but I've learned it from other resources as well. But here's how I loved how it's summarized. This is about Washington Carver, all right? What's his full? Yeah, George Washington Carver. Carver believed he could have faith both in God and science and integrated them into his life. He testified on many occasions that his faith in Jesus was the only mechanism by which he could effectively pursue and perform the art of science. He was the most prominent black scientist of the early 20th century. Now click on that link for me, please. I want to see how many inventions he had. Somebody say, do it again, Jesus. I got to be angry about things in this world, right? But I also got to solve the problems. Let's see how many things that this man had. Prominent thing. Let's look here. Tell me how many patents he put out. Help me read through this. Keep on going here. Some will find it on their Wikipedia. I want to see how many patents he had. Keep going down. Keep going down. College education. Keep going down. Tuskegee. I want to get to his inventive life. Rise to fame. Let's see here. Life while famous. Just somebody Google it. How many inventions? Come back, go back up to the top, please. Go, somebody Google how many inventions. Not all the way up, my brother. Just watch my hand right here. I got you. We're going to do this now. We're doing this. There you go. Somebody Google how many inventions did, did Washington Carver invent? Right here, right here. Let me see here. I want the number. This must have came from another article. How many? 300 uses for peanuts, but I want to know how many patents and inventions he had. Go back to the scripture, please. Refrain from anger and turn from wrath. Do not fret. It leads only to evil. You see, he could have just sat back and got angry at everybody. But he said, I'm going to make a difference in this world. I'm going to give God my science. For those who are evil will be destroyed, but those who hope in the Lord will inherit the land. He has an inheritance now, yes. No, he has way more than three. That's okay. Someone find me the number. Nancy, Google it. How many patents and inventions? It's a very easy Google search. Patents and inventions of George Washington Carver. Let's keep going. I want to read this whole psalm in closing. Nancy, you just send it to me, okay? Refrain from anger. Turn from wrath. How many are going to do that in this nation? Not fret. It only leads to evil. But you're going to hope in the Lord. How many are going to hope in the Lord? Amen. Now watch this, verse 10. A little while and the wicked will be no more. 
Though you look for them, they will not be found. But the meek will inherit the land and enjoy the peace and prosperity. Yes, you got it? Patents? From, I want to know from George Washington Carver. How many? Okay, somebody find it. Keep looking. We'll get it. It's a homework assignment, but I'm going to keep preaching while some of you all looking. Unless we're all just going to stop and look for it, I want to keep preaching here. Somebody, maybe Jason, my wife. Verse 12, the wicked plot against the righteous and gnash their teeth at them, but the Lord laughs at the wicked, for he knows their days are coming. How many know the wicked are going to be judged? So why let them bother you now? If you know the wicked are going to be judged, why let them get in the way of what you're doing right now? See, these are the numbers. You guys are sending me the numbers of these three patents. Oh, here we go. Here's, here's the stat. Despite numerous inventions, Carver held only three patents. So you were right. Thank you. Three patents. But this is what I want. Number of inventions then. How many inventions? Now, leave out the word patents. Did Washington Carver invent? Okay, more than 300? Perfect. I thought it was 1,000, so it was more than 300. How many think that's pretty amazing? How many have you invented? Okay. Right? But you're on your way in Jesus' name. This man made 300 inventions from the image of God that God gave him. He made the world look at his inventions instead of just his anger. Does everybody get that? He could have been black and angry, but he became black and rich. He became black and successful. You can be Latino and angry, or you can be Latino and blessed. And now the white folks who feel everybody's against them, you can be white and angry and listen to Fox News every day, or you can be white and blessed in Jesus' name. Amen? You see, you and I have a choice. Are we just going to be angry about what they're doing, or are we going to really understand what the end is? The end of the story is they lose, we win, so start acting like it now. Amen? Laugh at them every now and then. The Bible says God does. Laugh at them. Don't laugh at just what sin is, but laugh at them trying to take over. They're not going to get very far. Laugh at it because the Bible says that's what it is to God. It's laughable. You think my kids are going to be transgender You like your kids? <laughs> you are wrong. They are not. You think the Christian church, like the way I'm preaching right now, is going to die out in this generation and be replaced with some type of secular Jesus that sashays across the pulpit? <laughs> That's not happening. As a matter of fact, it's going to backfire what you're doing against the church because we're seeing more young people come to the Lord than we ever have before because they're sick and tired of where sin leads them. People don't want a culture that don't know what a woman is. They don't want a culture where they keep killing their children. That's why in this generation, sister, we've been the closest to overturning Roe v. Wade because the generation here is getting tired of it. Why are we killing our own children? Thank you. Now we have it from my wife and from the others to confirm. Some of George Washington Carver's best-known inventions include crop rotation, a planting uh, different crops to restore soil instead of a single crop farming, and 300 different uses for peanuts. This is the way we can be. Let's keep going. The wicked draw their sword, bend their bow to bring down the poor and needy, to slay those whose ways are upright. But their swords will pierce their own hearts, and their bows will be broken. Vinny, would you come, please? Whenever... The wicked say, we're going to force out the righteous. You know what happens? They ended up turning on themselves. Right now the culture is saying, we're against you Christians, but what is happening in their culture? 
It's destroying. It's being destroyed from the inside out. Christians, we don't want your Bible in our school anymore. What's happening to their schools? It's being destroyed from the inside out. Christians, we don't want you on these streets. We don't want your churches. What's happening? When the churches closed during COVID, what did the devil do on our streets? Tore down our cities. Are you listening? See, the devil knows to get his way, he has to get the church out of the way. Even though we're a minority, we are a powerful minority because one sends a thousand to flight on God's behalf to 10,000. So we are not here to take what we do lightly. That's why, and I say this by God's grace, going back to the example of the church, when they brought out their swords against us, it actually turns to, turned against them. The BLM protesters said they were going to burn down this place. No, you ended up burning down your own city. You burned down your own neighborhoods. They said that they were going to kill us. I'm still here. Now they're killing each other more since the BLM riots than they did in years before. Because it backfired against them, didn't it? What goes around comes around. The Bible says that. What you think is going to take out the Christian is actually going to be used against you. You thought you were going to take out the Christian. No, you're just taking out yourself. Come on God's side and be on the winning side. Amen. Verse 16, better the little that the righteous have than the wealth of the many wicked, for the power of the wicked will be broken, but the Lord upholds the righteous. You see how these are like Proverbs? I pray that these bless you this week. I do want to complete it this week because I feel like I've gotten everything out, but now let's have the word confirm it. You and I will have to be patient, and we will have to be at times with little, but that doesn't mean we stay there. That doesn't mean we stay there. I'm not staying little in Jesus' name. This church is growing in Jesus' name. Amen. You're here. Were, were all y'all here five years ago? No. You weren't here. If you weren't in Metro Praise five years ago, wave your, get, wave your hands and give me a hallelujah. Look at all these people that weren't here five years ago. Come on, somebody. Come back and check on us in five years. We're growing. Two services full, and we're going to keep growing. Planting churches now in Miami and Dallas. What's God doing in your business? Tell your haters, Miss Chalet, check on me in five years, darling. Come on, I'll hire you. Amen. I had people in Bible college make fun of me. Then when their marriage fell apart, they came to me to pastor them, and they were my co-student. The, the Bible says the righteous will prosper. Trust the Lord. He upholds the righteous. So it may be a little right now, but it won't stay little. Verse 18, the blameless spend their days under the Lord's care, and their inheritance will endure forever. In times of disaster, they will not wither. In, in days of famine, they will enjoy plenty. But the wicked will perish. Though the, the Lord's enemies are like the flowers of the field, they will be consumed as they go up in smoke. So today, don't be afraid of inflation. Your God owns all the gas in Jesus' name. Amen? And guess what? He owns a horse. If you need to go back to a horse for a minute, and then from the horse, we'll reinvent the car that doesn't need that gas. We'll get it off water if we need to. Praise God. We'll get it, we'll get it any way we have. Any way that the Lord's people have in front of them, they're going to make a way. The ingenuity of Christian people knows no bounds. Look at verse 21. The wicked borrow and do not repay. But the righteous give generously. Those the Lord blesses will inherit the land, but those he curses will be destroyed. All that free money we thought we were getting was not free. Now they're taking it away from us. You see, they don't know how to give as a blessing. Whatever they give has to come back to them. And whatever you lend to them never comes back to you. You, you lend a vote to a politician that says, we're going to lower taxes, and they never do. 
You lend to your money, the the taxes, to that government, and they say, we're going to do this in your schools, we're going to do this on your streets, and they never do. They're wicked. And yet, if you look around at our culture and society, what is the backbone of this nation? The righteous. The righteous going out there and doing what they do every single day. And and most of them aren't known, but God knows them and God is blessing them. And I do pray that they become famous. There are private schools that have been started by Christians in this city. I wish I could remember the name of one of them. Started on the south side by a former professional baseball player. And I remember preaching at that school, and it was a Christian school. The kids, all from the south side, but they wore their school uniform, had some of the highest graduation rates, the best college acceptance. You know what I'm talking about? No, it's not Clementi. That is named after a baseball player. This one was started, I believe, in the 70s. There was actually a movie made about it, that he started it on the south side. The Nieves family went there. And I remember going to preach at one of their chapels. You know you love Jesus if you let me come preach at your chapel (laughs) in a high school. Yeah, what is it? uh, Are you just shouting me down? Because you know know me. You know I preached. Yeah, I, I brought it in Jesus' name. The Bible says that that's what the wicked are like. They don't give to give out of generosity. They always give to get back, and they never give back what you give them. They're wicked. Don't be like that. Be generous. Amen. Help each other come up. And this is something. Sometimes I hear from Christian business owners in this church, they have to fire our own people because they don't know how to work. That's a shame on us. Not shame to the businessman. I, I always let the businessman know. Don't feel bad. You don't have to tell me, Pastor, I had to fire some of your guys. No, you don't have to tell me. I understand. But everybody here, you need to learn how to get that skill. And if you can't work for it, listen, this is what I would say. If you're here today in this service and you got fired by that man that just talked to me in the first service because he heard because I was preaching something similar, listen to me. Go back to that man and say, I will learn and work for free until you'll hire me. That's what you need to say. Because that man's got a successful construction business. He said he's got to fire some of our guys. That's what I would do if I was you, young people. I would go right back to that man. I would say, sir, I'm sorry you had to fire me. Obviously, I wasn't ready for this job. But can I come here for free? Can I come here and learn how you do these things? And then if you hire me, that's on you. But i got to learn this skill no matter what. Amen? The Lord makes firm the steps of the the one who delights in him. Though he will stumble, he will not fall, for the Lord upholds his hand. You know, you and I will go through troubles. Keep on going. God's with you. Verse 25, I was young and now I'm old. How many can say amen to that? (laughs) Did you used to have hair, brother? Did you? Are you always bald? Oh, man. I know some of these guys who make fun... Once upon a time, I know some of these brothers who make fun of me being gray, I need to ask you to grow your hair out again. I want to see what you got. <laughs> yeah, it's all down there. I know I'm cutting more in my ear than I am up here sometimes. Telling you, I was once young, now I'm old. Yet I've never seen the righteous forsaken or their children begging for bread. They are always generous and lend freely. Their children will be a blessing. Hallelujah. That's why I love what we do on that Good Samaritan page. We give it away while people selling it at a garage sale. We're giving it away in Jesus' name. Y'all can sit or stand, but I still got about 20 verses to read. It's up to you. We're going to finish it today. Hallelujah. Turn from evil and do good. Then you will dwell in the land forever. You love America, you love Africa or the nations of Africa, do good and you'll dwell in them. You love China, you love India, live for Jesus, you'll dwell in them. For the, love, the Lord loves the just 
and he will not forsake his faithful ones. You need to pray that as you go to the gas pump in Jesus' name. Amen. Lord, don't forsake me now. Wrongdoers will be completely destroyed. The offspring of the wicked will perish. I want you to see that. Do you know that only a wicked person can commit abortion? And do you see that now as the judgment of God? They are killing themselves in suicide, through addiction, and through abortion. Didn't the Bible say that's how they would be? The Bible says, all those who hate me, wisdom, Bible and Proverbs says, all those who hate me love death. This culture has loved death because they rejected God. The righteous will inherit the land and dwell in it forever. The mouths of the righteous utter wisdom and their tongues speak what is just. The law of their God is in their hearts and their feet do not slip. The wicked lie in wait for the righteous, intent on putting them to death, but the Lord will not leave them in the power of the wicked or let them be consumed when brought to trial. Somebody say, God's got my back. God's got our back, and he's going to take care of us. Hope in the Lord and keep his way. He will exalt you to inherit the land when the wicked are destroyed. You will see it. We will see the land be given to the righteous. I even believe that before Armageddon comes. I believe right now we can see the greatest days of our neighborhoods coming forth. I believe that God can turn whatever the devil has meant as a curse against us to a blessing. Because out of these times, neighbors began to pray together for God's blessing. People on their job began to pray for the job to be blessed. Businesses began to work together and part together to do charitable outreaches and organizations. Uh, to work together. I remember being on the west side and working together with all those different black-owned businesses as we began to reach that corner in that block. I want to see that happen again in Jesus' name. Amen? I want to see the insurance salesman. I want to see the car salesman. I want to see the corner store. I want to see them all on that block when we preach next time in Jesus' name. Amen? I have seen, watch this. I have seen a wicked and ruthless man flourishing like a luxuriant native tree, but he soon passed away and was no more. Though I looked for him, he could not be found. Anybody know where um, Steve Jobs is at? I mean, I'm not trying to have you guess in heaven or hell. I'm just saying, hey, can anybody give, give him a call for me? No, he was here. He denied God, and now he's gone. And all the chips that he won at the table all got pushed right back in, didn't it? You see, everything you make on this earth will be left here. Everything you make, the Bible says, will be left here. But the righteous get to take it with them and rule and reign. You see, the old saying, you never see a U-Haul following uh, a hearse is true, except you're righteous. If you're righteous, the treasures that you had here will be stored up there. Because if you did your job for the Lord, that's a treasure up there. If you raised your family for the Lord, that is a treasure up there. If you had your house and your, your community in order, that is a treasure that comes back. When we are distributed, the, the blessings of the Lord, they will be based on how we lived. Amen? Consider the blameless. This is a word for everybody here as we get ready to close. Please be patient. Just a few more verses. Consider the blameless. See how the Bible talks to you? Don't just think about that YouTube star, young people. 
Don't just think about Sia or one of them singers that's popular right now. Don't just think about Young Thug. Don't just think about them. Consider the blameless. Think about the righteous for a minute, brothers and sisters. Don't just think about the wealthy, the rich, and the famous. Think about the, the, the blameless. Observe them. Observe the upright. We've been so dark and wicked in this culture, most people don't even know a blameless person to find one, how to get one. People always say, well, I'm just a sinner. Well, then you're not the one I'm looking for. Don't follow me, just follow Jesus. No, you're not the one I'm looking for then. I need someone that can say like David, I'm blameless and upright before the Lord. Who are you? Because I need to follow you. There used to be people like that in our communities. How many knew people like that either in your family or in your community or your church where you knew they were living right and they were the kind of person you wanted to be like? I remember that because I was brought up in church. And thank God for every parent now doing it right if you didn't have it right. Because they should be able to point to people. These young people should be able to point to people in this church and go, here is a blameless person. There's nothing against them. We can't find anything bad against them. Whatever wrong they've done, they've confessed. And they're upright. Consider that. Why? Because a future awaits those who seek the peace. But all sinners will be destroyed. There will be no future for the wicked. That's why when I said, by Felicia, it is what it is, isn't it? You don't get to stay if you're wicked, but if you're righteous, this belongs to you. The salvation of the righteous comes from where? The Lord. And who is Lord according to the Bible? Jesus. Confess who as Lord? Jesus as Lord. He is their stronghold in the time of trouble. The Lord Jesus helps them and delivers them. Hallelujah. He delivers them from the wicked and saves them. El Salvador, he's our Savior because they take refuge in him. Would you stand up? Give it up for Jesus. Hallelujah. We take refuge in you, Lord. We take refuge in you, God. Pray for three things you want blessed in your life right now out of the desires of your heart. I pray for businesses. I pray for families. I pray for communities in the name of Jesus. Wicked, you will not have this in the name of Jesus. The wicked and sinful cannot have it. Satan, loose it and let it go in Jesus' name. I pray for the hand of God over our government, over our businesses, over our schools. I pray for 300 inventions to rise up in somebody here today. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. If a brother could find out what to do with peanuts, because that was popular back then, just peanuts, what can you do? What uses can you find for the things of this world? For the glory of God. Hallelujah. God, do it right now in this nation, starting with us. Band and altar workers, would you come, please? As we started this service, we end by asking you, oh God, to bless us. This is not just a prayer service, but start what you want to do this week in prayer right now. Because it's not just prayer, but it can start in prayer. Because this week, you're going to be responsible for acting this out in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Father, I pray for every person here today that they'll see that their job, their assignment in front of them is to flourish and to be a blessing to this world. I just watched a video the other day where a homeschooling mother raised up her children to graduate college before they were even an adult, and many of them became doctors and became lawyers by the time they became adults. You could do it as a stay-at-home mom. 
No excuses. What greatness has the Lord put inside of you? Hallelujah. I pray for, for the blessing of the Lord to come upon us right now. From the top of our head to the bottom of our feet, in the name of Jesus. Lord, I pray right now for each one of you who have dreams and visions to have them come out. I want to see it this year. I've already seen another business. It's starting this weekend or next weekend. It already came on Facebook. I'm praying for that business. I'm praying for the ones that have already started. I'm praying for those of you who are believing God for favor on your job. In the name of Jesus, brother, I'm praying for whatever uh, affliction you're facing on your job to not get you to quit, but to get you to be better at what you do in the name of Jesus. Because so I hear you on those prayer requests and what it sounds like is sometimes you're wondering if I should get a new job and those things. And I know that that can be a temptation. But I don't want you to look for another job until the Lord releases you. Because don't let that affliction get you to think that's not, that's not your place. Because oftentimes the places of success come from the places of affliction. And if every person quit or went away to another job when those afflictions came, they never would have, they, they won't see what God has from them in that place. Are you listening to me? So you got to stay only to, as long as God says. So don't get discouraged. Can I pray for you right now? Father, I pray for James in the name of Jesus who's providing for his family, who has been given managing, managerial responsibilities. I pray, oh Lord, that you'll bless him and increase him. And if he has to leave that job, Lord, let it be your will be done because he goes to another level, not just because someone there annoyed him or made his job harder. I pray for those that are there that look to find fault with him, to stop him from increasing for however they feel about him. Lord, I pray for favor on that job. Job. In Jesus' name, I pray for power and an anointing to come upon him like Daniel, that even when they looked for reasons, they couldn't find any to bring him down other than the love he had for his God. In the name of Jesus, Miss Chalet, can I pray for you and your beautician business? You work on face and do, do makeovers or what is it, skin care? Amen. Anybody need skin care? See our sister right here. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus. Can I just pray for these hands? Andre, if you want to join her up here, please. Anybody from their family. I pray for these hands right now to be able to do what only, oh God, a skilled beautician could do. God, I pray that you will show forth her skill and ability even above and beyond her peers to be so excellent and praiseworthy, oh God, that the who's who of Chicago needs to come get it done by her hands in the name of Jesus. And I pray, God, for every dollar, every every everything that comes to her, her hands financially will be managed well, stewarded well so that, Father, she can hire, so that she can increase, so that she can grow in that business, Father, in the name of Jesus. I also pray for inventions in that job, oh God, that whatever she sees is lacking from the lotions or care or utensils that she uses, that you will give her inventive ideas, that she could sell those products, those utensils to others in her same business, in the name of Jesus. Prosperity, blessing, oh God. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise God. I want to just pray for all of you right now. Father, I thank you for this congregation. I thank you for those like Christian and others. I saw Christian here. Can I pray for Christian? Is your husband still here? Okay, tell him to come on in. Tell him church ain't over yet. I was going to pray, but you know, God put him on my heart. 
I was going to pray a general prayer, but God put them on my heart. Oh, you're not leaving. You're just taking care of the baby. Christian, can I pray for you? You're an artist, aren't you, my brother? For a living, do you paint as well? But you're also an artist with paint, right? And those walls that you paint, come and stand up here. I'm not going to embarrass you. You can just look at me and I'll, I'll be here. Uh, th- those walls that you paint and put those graphics on, you get permission to do that or you just find empty ones and do it. We'll talk about that later. <laughs> you, you get paid. Okay. So you have a business of doing that art as well as doing the other painting that you do. Can I just pray that the Lord will increase that? Father, you see what Christian does with that art, oh, Father. People hire him out, God, to do that urban art and those graphics and those murals, Father. I pray, oh, Father, that an anointing will come upon him that has never been seen before in Chicago. That as others are selling their artwork and their pieces and their graphics or they're charging to do such and such a thing, that, oh, Father God, he'll be the best of the best, oh, Lord. He'll be hired, like I said for Miss Chalet, for the who's who to decorate the Nike store, Father God, to decorate the largest businesses we have in this city, to be a part of the largest restaurants, to bring the murals out, that whenever there is a need of murals and art and design, oh, Father, that their, uh, his name will be on their lips in the name of Jesus, and that this business of painting, God, will continue to increase for employees. And, Lord, I pray for any young man here, wanting to learn how to do that art will come and volunteer to be an understudy to this man so that that can be handed down from generation to generation in the name of Jesus and bless this baby in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. Come on, how many love the Lord? Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Father, I thank you for this church service. I thank you, Lord, that we're encouraged by your word to now water the seeds of desire that you put in us so that we can reap these blessings of success. As we move on to other messages, may we not forget how success works in your kingdom. May we be brought back to Psalms like Psalm 37 to be reminded not just to be angry and bitter, but to become better and bring out solutions like Har- like, like Howard Washington Carver did, oh God. That we will be those who don't just complain about the wickedness of this world, but will be a, be a blameless, upright, righteous person, being a blessing, showing forth a better way, oh God. That we won't, oh Lord, just say the world is in a turmoil it's the end times there's no success left to be done but Lord we'll go out and work and prosper Father until you come back Lord you gave us parables of the stewards who were working when their master came back and you rewarded them may we be like those that you can say to us well done my good and faithful servant come and enter the blessing and the reward of your master Father, it's in Jesus' name we pray and everybody said, amen.